You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Welcome to episode 49 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, what up? Can you believe it? Here we are, 20 freaking 18, my man. Holy cow. Yeah, I'd like to pat ourselves on the back, at least in the, in, in the way that we did this for a year. Like, we, we set out to do a podcast, and we pretty consistently pulled it off every week all year and you know for a dude that kind of starts and stops projects all the time like I'm pretty uh pretty amazed and excited that um I personally stuck with something (laughs) for for this long and and pulled it off and uh I think I think people are getting something out of it so uh it's kind of exciting that here we are rolling into a brand new year it's funny that you say that because I'm a dude who sticks with things probably too long sometimes, you know, and as we were trying to make time to record this, because, you know, the holidays are always such an interesting thing, and depending on when Christmas falls, and, and hence when New Year's falls, because it's an exact week later, like, it makes things, you know, a shorter timeline or a longer timeline. So this year, for instance, those of us in the industry that typically take off, you know, the Friday before to the Monday after, or, you know, the first day back after, it's a really short um, recording, I mean, not recording period, it's a really short holiday, hence for us trying to find time to record this, and so I was sitting here thinking, like, man, you know, if we can't find time, is it the end of the world, we're doing this thing for free, and then, of course, we didn't do an episode on Christmas, so it's funny to hear you say that, because I'm the dude who's usually, like, bam, 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 we got to do it. But yeah, let's give ourselves a pat on the back and let's, you know, as we always do, thank all of our listeners, our loyal listeners for supporting us. I do think we're doing an awesome thing here. We're getting some really great feedback. So uh, yeah, thanks to all you listeners. And Blasco, thank you for each and every week digging in and finding cool topics for you and I to discuss. Um, It's really been honestly one of the highlights of my year for sure. No doubt, agreed. In the last episode, we continued to discuss how to detect and avoid music business scams. That was a really cool episode, so check it out if you haven't already. We love to hear from you guys, so please continue to write to us at askflasco at gmail.com. This week, we dig into our top 10 predictions of 2018. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Hey, Blasco, real quick before we dive in, I just wanted to ask, 
ask you, did you get everything that you had hoped for for Christmas? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, like I, uh, you know, I keep my expectations pretty low, you know, these years. <laughs> so, so uh, even though we live very glamorous lifestyles, you know, we're not uh, the elite where we can, you know, afford to charter our own helicopters and airplanes and fly all over the place. But I have found, you know, when you do reach a certain age and, and income that comes along with it, like you kind of can almost buy whatever you, you really want within reason. Right. You know, if I want to go get the iPhone 10, I can go buy it, you know. And so right. I was I was having to come up with a gift. There was a friend of mine who did something really awesome for me this year. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't figure out what to get him. Eventually, I settled on something. But the reason I bring that up is we are still sponsored by Rockabilia. And I wanted to remind everybody of how great they were to us in the last year and rolling into this year. If you didn't get what you wanted for the holidays, I suggest you head over to rockabilia.com and see if you can find something for yourself. We do have a discount code, which is PC, so the letter P and then the letter C and then managemental, and that gets you 15% off of anything. So if you got a gift card, you know, or something, uh, head on over there. They've got 500,000 plus items to choose from across all genres. If you're a listener to this podcast week in and week out, you've heard us talk about it. Um, I didn't order anything from there yet, but I think I might get on there and, and get some stuff for myself uh, so I can have some fresh cloth in 2018. How about yourself? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I know that whenever we talk about Rockabilia, we always mention uh, Cryptic Slaughter shirts. And uh, I would like to mention that Spin Magazine credited Cryptic Slaughter as the 29th greatest thrash metal band of all time. <laughs> so there you go. That's so, <laughs> Where that sits on your mantle, I'm not sure. But uh, hey, congratulations. That is pretty cool. So without beating it into the ground, guys, Rockabilia, head on over, rockabilia.com. They've been great supporters of us as a show, Jabberjaw as a network, and they are doing their best to support our artists. They're actively ensuring that their materials, their shirts are not counterfeit. They're not bootlegged. So much of the stuff that you see coming through your Facebook feed, uh, you know, if you're not careful, is somebody that's not officially licensed. Rockabilia makes sure that it's all officially licensed. So uh, if you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, Blasco and I are telling you, treat yourself using PC Managemental at rockabilia.com. Get yourself something nice um, and tell us what you what you ended up ordering at um, at the email. So Good deal. Moving on to our first episode of 2018. Let's get into some predictions, uh, Mike. Hell yeah. Um, I've, I've, I whipped up a few that uh, – May or may not be on point, but you know, let's uh, let's see where they take us. Yeah, I thought this uh, was cool because last year, you know, when we first started out, you found an article where somebody had done some predictions, and I think you said this year you weren't finding anything great, so you just whipped up your own, which I thought was pretty awesome. Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. You know, <laughs> the content doesn't come. We gotta we gotta create it. So yeah, let's roll into it. Number one, traditional record sales will continue to decrease. Oof. I mean, that's that is a no brainer uh, for me. Um, they absolutely will. I think we're seeing it week in and week out um, thus far, you know, rounding out 2017. There were some releases that I was surprised that, you know, how little they were selling of traditional record sales. And it's just where the business is going. You know, we've talked about it ad nauseum. It's moving 
it's continuing to move towards streaming. And um, yeah, that's no surprise to me. So let me ask you this. In a, in a streaming world, right, if you had a crystal ball, in a streaming world uh, of music consumption, like in our world, physical product and collectors is still a thing. People still want that physical product, right? That's right. Um, but, but if there becomes... If there becomes no place to actually use it in that I have a, if I buy a CD, I can't play it in my car and I can't play it on my computer. You know what I mean? I, there's really, there's really nowhere to play it. Like even, you know, they're even making like boom boxes now that are just, <laughs> that are just like Bluetooth, you right. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, so does, my question is, is how does, how does a pledge music work at that point? Or how, how does a pre-order work? Like, do you think people will still be interested in a physical product, in a pre-order environment where let's say bands only make a minimal amount, like only a thousand copies made of the CD and it's signed or vinyl. Like I think vinyl is going to live on much beyond CDs will, um, just because it's a different type of collector. It's a different type of experience, but like, how does that, how does that work in the, in the pre-order streaming world? Like, do you think people would still be interested in physical product for pre-orders or what are we doing? Yeah, you know, it's a very interesting question. I know we talked about it a little bit in one of our more recent episodes. I don't remember the exact one, but I'd say within the last 10, we did have this discussion. Um, I do think vinyl will live on. And I also just think, you know, you're not going to completely until the technology exists where you just can't play it, right, which will happen eventually vinyl. I've got to imagine in 25 years, you know, and I could be wrong and, and I'm pulling a number completely out of thin air, but in 25 years, you know, when I'm approaching my seventies, you know, I think I'm that generation of, you know, probably 10 years prior to me of the last people that really are ever going to care about vinyl. You know, I think that's, what's going to be so interesting. I think CDs are going to go away within the next five years. Why, you know, 10 at the very, very, very latest. And so I do think over the next five to 10 years, you will be able to get people to still pre-order and even after the fact that it's out, buy the vinyl and potentially buy the CD. It's not like, you know, just because I don't have a CD player on my computer, uh, I do still have one in my car, um, you know, because I'm driving an older model and I've got one in the house. Um, occasionally play stuff there. More often than not, it's, you know, uh, CDs for my son of kids' music. But, um, yeah, I think in 10 years they won't be manufactured at all. And you, you won't even be able, especially in that format, to be able to cater to people, you know, even if they want it, frankly. Yeah, interesting. Uh, number two. Apple will begin to shut down the iTunes Music Store with an estimated final closure date of January 2019. Yeah, there was an article that surfaced recently, I don't know if you saw it, that indicated that in 2019, and, and I didn't get to read the article, I just saw the headline because I was traveling for the holidays, but said that they are, they've actually moved the timeline up to when they're going to close the iTunes Music Store. Apple will still have their streaming side of things, of course, Apple Music. Um, so whether it's January or just some point in 2019, uh, that's absolutely uh, what they are targeting to do. Yeah, which is, inter it's going to be interesting to see how they like how they transition people, you know, like in, in the, in the, in the event that they're giving themselves a year to kind of shut this down, they have to educate people that are, you know, it's like, look, 
people like you and I, like we're in the business, we've adopted streaming, you know, we're, 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 you know, premier Spotify people or not or whatever. I mean, but we're a small percentage of people that have adapted to this. Right. I mean, there's people that probably still like, you know, buy cassette tapes, you know? Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, to me, what's so interesting is I think, you know, when we're talking about physical formats of vinyl and CDs, to me, it makes even more sense to get rid of a place that you can purchase an MP3, right? I mean, that was the bridge, if you will, between physical product and now the streaming product. It's a digital thing, but you, you know, if you weren't pirating it, you had to buy it. To me, it makes absolute sense that that gets out of the way faster than anything, because the only place you're listening to those is on the same devices that you can stream things. Obviously, what you know affects streaming is access to data. Of course, there's the whole net neutrality shit that has just come up. So there's going to be some hurdles. But to me, getting rid of buying an MP3 is way gonna you know should happen way faster than elimination of any physical product yeah uh number three spotify will go public you know i don't know if that's actually going to happen um i mean presumably it would and should i've talked about it before probably i listened to a podcast called inc uncensored it's from the magazine inc like inc which is short for incorporated it's a really cool podcast um and they were actually i was listening to an episode uh today as i was running and they were talking about how a lot of the tech ipos you know initial public offerings um which is you know the same as going public uh, over the last year didn't bode well for the companies. So the two that they acknowledged were Snap, which was, you know, of course, the, the parent company uh, of Snapchat and then Blue Apron. And those values, you know, so the whole idea is you go public, uh, you know, that puts you on the stock exchange, get you a whole bunch of money. Um, but then their shares went down after the fact. And so they were indicating that you know, there's a little bit of a shift in terms of, you know, the the desire for these companies that are doing well to actually go public. So I don't know. I mean, you would think it would. Um, but given that little tidbit, again, I'm no expert in that field, um, but I could see it not happening. What What is your take there? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I mean, this is one of those things where, like, if it happens uh, – or not, how much are our lives going to be <laughs> affected? Yeah. Probably very, probably none whatsoever. Um, Spotify is going to continue to dominate the streaming space, and um, we're just going to have to continue to figure out how to navigate it. You know, the 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 more the more the easier that it is for bands to get their music on there, the harder that it is for people to be heard. Right. Um, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of consumption. Um, and you know, when you, when you think of, when you think of the amount of content that is out there, you know, of, of like what's, what's competing for your attention, whether, whether it's music or, or video games or YouTube subscriptions or podcasts, right? Like there's only so much time in the day. And there's an endless amount of content. So, you know, the question is then going to become whenever everything that I need is on my phone and accessible on my phone, what, what am I what am I doing? Am, am I someone that has my five things that I'm very consistent about? Or 
does it become so overwhelming that I end up really not consuming anything? Exactly. <laughs> Which is where I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four, VR technology will not replace the live experience. Yeah, I mean, I think this one is is valid. I think it will continue to creep in, and I think we're going to see some advancements, and I'm excited about those advancements. Uh, you know, I uh, yeah, I think that that's going to be really an interesting front that comes along with the next, again, three to five years, but no way in 2018 does it replace a live experience. Not a chance. No, I mean, look, VR technology is something that I feel like is going to benefit the gaming community uh, in a in a in a in a you know very significant way. Um, but I do not believe it's going to creep into the music space in in an equally significant way. Um, I just don't. It, it just I don't know, man. Like it just feels it just feels weird. Like it, it's like you have to buy an additional thing, and when you put it on, you look like an idiot. Um, you know, it just it just seems like something that isn't conducive to uh, the the subculture and experience of actually being, you know, at a live show or that that kind of experience. You know, I agree, and I mean, I think what's so interesting about so many of these technologies is, you know, it's it's really like we're at the the infancy of them, you know, and it in twenty years that might actually happen. Right. But again, our generation and, you know, you and I are roughly the same age, but, you know, there's people 10 or 15 years older than us and younger than us that are that could be, you know, lumped into this. We've you know, we covet and crave the live experience. So there's no way that VR is really ever going to replace it. It might augment it. I mean, it, it very well, you know, who knows? It could, but it's going to be way down the line. What's so interesting is those younger people who never been to a live show. Right. And the as eventually once VR is, is in the hands of everyone, you and I think it's interesting and weird to put the goggles on and blah, blah, blah. But that becomes their norm. And that's what's so crazy and kind of cool to me. But it's what makes the timeline so much longer in my mind is that you've got to have it where that's the person's first experience or they haven't had enough true live experiences for them to you know really be biased in the way that we're. Yeah, frankly, we're biased. Yep. Uh, number five, cryptocurrency will not become an overly accepted form of payment for anything music related. Holy cow. I'm just exhausted on the entire cryptocurrency thing. <laughs> and I, you know, I fancy myself to be a semi-intelligent person, but holy crap. It's, uh, it's been a whirlwind of, of watching that thing fluctuate and, and, uh, I would agree. I mean, what I'm more interested in, and, and I have to admit, I don't fully understand the way it all works, but it appears to me from the conversations that I'm having that really cryptocurrency, while it's cool, it's really blockchain itself that is what's interesting to people. Um, you know, and I don't know what your familiarity and understanding of it is. Mine is is minimal, honestly, but that seems to be the real thing that people are pumped on uh, for all uh, facets of interactions is is how blockchain can help things. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that it eventually won't become an important you know factor, uh, um, but uh, you know, I mean, if if the intent is to minimize uh, um, 
uh, things like um, having your identity stolen, right? Because you're not putting that, you're not putting your, that kind of information like social security numbers and names and address, like you're not putting that kind of stuff out all over the interwebs and you can pay, you know, directly through the, the blockchain platform. Yes, potentially if that's how it all works, then people will eventually come around and adopt that as, as being the case. What I'm saying is this ain't gonna happen overnight. Uh, people are still trying to figure it out. I would get, I would, you know, place bets that 99% of people haven't even heard of it. Um, and if they have heard of it, they don't even remotely understand anyone that is saying like, oh, this is going to be the new, the new currency that no fucking way <laughs> is that happening. Um, in, in my opinion, number six, print on demand services will become more of a necessity. And now I'm assuming you're talking more for uh, this is merchandise. Is that correct? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, like uh, I'm thinking that in 2018, we're going to see uh, we're going to see inventory, quote unquote, inventory. We're going to see that become too much of a liability to bands and uh, brands like we it's like it, it becomes too much. It, it, it becomes something that we don't have to have anymore. Right. And, you know, as you know, it's like, man, if there's, if, if, if you have, if you're sitting on a warehouse full of dusty t-shirts, you know, your only real options are to blow them out or, you know, fire sale them and whatever. But the point of it is, is if, if you can make shirts on demand, you, you know, and not have to, and not have to make uh, and not have to guess like, oh, how many, how many size smalls am I going to sell? Yep. Um, you know, and then you have to make a minimum amount so that you get the right price. I mean, think about it, man. Like if, if you could, you know, start a band and you're, you're starting your, your first, you know, your first website that has your first, you know, merch page on there or whatever, you don't want to be stuck with all this inventory. You don't know if you're going to sell it, you know? And I, and I, so I feel like print on demand service is going to align itself with streaming because now I don't have to make CDs. Now I don't have to make vinyl or whatever. If you want to hear my music, here you go. If you want to buy my t-shirt, here you go. But I'm not going to stock myself up with a bunch of inventory that potentially isn't going to sell. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and for those of you out there in loyal listener land that may not understand the, you know, everything that we're referring to, um, typically what happens is if I've got a band, I go to a merchandise company, you know, they agree to put my shirt online and then they print yeah, like Blasco's saying, a certain number of them that they think we're going to sell. But if we, if we, if you know, if we overestimate and think we're going to sell two hundred of them, and we only sell twelve, then they've got you know a hundred and freaking eighty-eight sitting on shelves for year, month after month after month, up to the you know however long. Total waste of time, energy, effort for everyone. So print on demand is literally kind of like it sounds. You go and place an order. That merchandise company, and, and I've seen it. I actually just made a shirt as a gift for somebody, and the fa the quality was fantastic. I mean, the technology just continues to develop, and I think you're exactly right. You are going to see this, and to the to the consumer, they probably won't even know. It probably won't make a bit of difference to them when they receive it because it looks just like a traditional high quality screen print. Exactly, number seven. More independent artists will cross over to the mainstream. Yeah, I think this is a pretty pretty accurate one, and um, you know, I just think that as we've you know talked about, and as you and I are excited about, I mean, like the tools for 
for uh, creation, promotion, distribution. They're in the hands of artists and their respective teams. So why wouldn't they be able to continue to get themselves out there? And then, of course, uh, you know, as things happen, you know, cro cross over as, as kind of the the you know the the storm builds behind them or whatever the metaphor i'm, I'm desperately trying to find uh <laughs> here in 2018 uh is yeah i mean look we we used to need record labels as the conduit to the to the fan right they, they were the ones that had that connection they were the ones that able to put the records in the stores but now those lines are completely blurred the 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 artists can connect with their fans directly. We don't need, as artists, we don't need a tremendous amount of middlemen anymore. Um, we can we can cut those people right out um, with the you know with the uh, with, with where digital the digital space is going. You know, with streaming being the case and with the um, the access to all these digital sites to where it's like we you know whether it's a merch store whether it's a website. I mean the ease. Can, you know, compared to we, you had to hire someone to code your, you know, MySpace page and or, you know stuff back totally. in the day. It's like now, man. It's like you can drag and drop and put together like, you know, a website, you know, a URL, a web store. You know, put your music uh, on Spotify and Apple Music. I mean, an artist can do all of that. And and you, I mean, you're right there. I mean, you're right there with all the top artists. There's nothing differentiating a a, a million album seller to a one album seller. You can have all the same access as everyone else. And so that being the case, it's, it becomes, it becomes all about the savviness of the independent artist um, connecting with their fans. We don't need labels for that anymore. Yeah. And I mean, lastly, you know, it goes without saying, but I always like to echo it. I mean, great music, great content will be the prevailing, uh, Factor and many, many, many independent artists are creating great music, which is why they've been able to cross over. And that's why I, I do think in 2018 we will see uh, even more of those. Yep. Number eight. I might be uh, going out on a ledge on this one. This might be one that uh, doesn't actually happen, but I'm going to say it anyway. Streaming only record labels will begin to sign and break bands. Now, my question for you is define to me a streaming only record label is that like spotify is signing bands directly or are you imagining mike and blasco start a label and all we do is stream okay remember the remember the 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 dot-com bubble right and whenever that transition happened things like as an example barnes and noble isn't the place that you went barnes and wasn't the place that you went to to buy books even though that's the place that you physically went to to buy a book at, at, at a retail store, but you didn't um, you didn't align yourself with that being the place that you went. You went to Amazon.com, mm. right? That's the that's the place that you, so so and you saw that in a bunch of different ways. In that the brick and mortar retailers that dominated the space of that is they no longer did. Right. And, and because someone else came in and goes uh, and adapted the new technology and why Barnes and Noble, for example, was like stumbling over the technology and they couldn't they couldn't get in front of it. Um, so my prediction is that 
this similar type of thing is going to happen to where you have these labels that are going to stumble over their old album deals, their old way of thinking where there's like contract points in there that have something to do with like breakage and, you know, like reduce royalties and all that shit. You're going to have someone that's going to come in and that is going to be create labels that are streaming only based and they're going to offer deals based on that. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be an upfront money. Um, but it, there, there's, it's just, they're going to be devised in a way to where it's going to be solely based around a streaming only music business. And, um, uh, you know, it's one thing to be able to put these analytics together and, and, and put, and, and sign the bands and, and give them advances or whatever. But I believe that we're also going to see bands break out of this. And that is going to be what's going to change the dynamic of, of the, uh, the artist label relationship in the streaming world. Yeah. Okay. So I get your point a little bit uh, better and I, I would agree. I mean, I, I do think you're, you know, going a little bit out on a limb, but I, I you know, there's been a couple of examples of labels that I can't remember exactly what their model was, but you know, the one run for cover, for instance, comes to mind. I know that they had a little bit of a different model than most of the bigger kind of traditional ones. And now they've, you know, become a larger label, but yeah, I'm excited to see where it all goes. I mean, again, I think the thing that you and I will both agree on is, you know, and we've talked about this previously, I mean, quote unquote, you're calling this a record label. It's not even a record label. It's a, you know, it's a streaming marketing company or whatever, you know, there's going to have to be or should be a new name for it, frankly. Well, You're not yeah, records, be, right? <laughs> You're, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but it's like a label in that they provide label services, right. you know, and, but the, the content that they're doing, yes, is streamed and they, and you have to, you have to advance the way that the, the label artist label deal is constructed to service the streaming culture, you know? And, uh, but, but, you know, people still need money to make a record. People still need money to, you know, get on radio. You know, there's still, there's still services that a label can provide. So therefore it makes them a label, even though they're not, they're not in the physical product business. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, number nine, festival attendance will either level off or decrease. Well, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see some of the festivals that, you know, have tried and, and, you know, most of these new upstart festivals, meaning ones that have been around within the last three or five years, you know, they may not even be profitable yet. I mean, they're like a startup in and of themselves. And so some of them hopefully will actually disappear. I think we've got, you know, a saturation of festivals. Um, so I think, you know, there's going to be certain ones that, that disappear. And I think you're right. I mean, the whole idea of, oh, my God, I can go see 57 bands in a weekend um, has been you know, really exciting for a lot of people, but I does feel like we've hit a saturation point. I feel like certain ones have established themselves as something that they, they found, they found their consumer, right? They, they know what that is, but I feel like by and large, you know, if you take, you know, if you take 10 festivals, I feel like 75% of them were going to see level off or decrease, you know, decreases. And I'll tell you why, because I feel like we're starting to either lose headliners or we're starting to see the same headliners too often, which 
yep. which, which, which really decreases the enthusiasm of the concert goer, right? Like whenever you have, whenever you have a three-day festival, right, and two of the three headliners of this, of this massive festival are bands in their own right that only can draw four to 6,000 people on their own, it's like, man, that we're, we're struggling to find relevant headliners, you know? And, uh, and, and I, it's just, it's just an observation that I'm seeing. And I feel like we're going to start to feel the pinch of that because it's like, man, like you gotta, like, you gotta, if you, if you want to have real attendance, you gotta have real headliners. And the more that we run out of them, I feel like, you know, obviously we're going to start to lose attendance. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I will say it's it is interesting, and I'll give a shout out to our our good friend Ryan Downey, who compiles uh, a list to predominantly to industry people uh, that that you know shows the sales of of SoundScan sales of artists each week in and week out, and he sent one out this week, and he he has some historical artists in there, and I I don't know if I realized how many albums the black album from metallica had sold like in comparison to some other artists that i would have thought would have sold equally as many records it was like 16 million or yeah. something just mind-boggling you know and i'm looking at like appetite for destruction which was only like five or six million which you know by all means five and six million is a huge amount but i don't know if i knew how many more albums the Black Album had sold than some of these artists. It was really just <laughs> kind of fascinating and eye-opening. And the reason I bring it up is because you're right. Metallica, in terms of the metal stuff, seems to headline every one of these festivals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Okay. Number 10. Final number 10 prediction of 2018. If we are looking for different results, we will need to implement different strategies. Right on. I mean, dude, that's perfect. I, uh, I'm, you know, so much of this stuff excites me. I mean, like, I, I just think there's so many interesting things that are happening and we will continue to see happening. There's, you know, I've, I try to, to, to keep myself out in front, um, as best as I can. And I know you do the same. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to implement different strategies and am eager for, for, you know, different results uh though i'm hoping that they still look look pretty damn good <laughs> yeah i mean you know my, my point of this one is just to kind of end on this note of like putting ourselves in a different mindset of like we're quickly transitioning into a no physical product business like i was you know i was joking i, I had an artist that was um uh signing physical CDs, you know, and they had to, and they had to sign a lot of them because they pre-sold, you know, they pre-sold a pretty significant amount and they were, you know, they were physically signing them all of them one by one. And I said, guys, look, I know that this is, um, you know, this is a challenge and, and is, is very time consuming, but look at the, on the bright side, this is the last time that you're ever going to have to sign a physical CD <laughs> because by the next time that you put out a record, there won't be any. <laughs> you know, Amazing. so, so, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like we're, I mean, th but uh, it's a joke, but it's real, man. Like if you think about it, like we're going to be putting out records that aren't records. Like we're just going to be releasing content with the hopes of consumption. Like we're not, we're not getting a physical data of like, 
hey, man, we sold 20,000 records and that puts us in the Billboard 200. Like that all that shit isn't going to matter pretty soon. You know, so my point of it is, is that we got to start thinking about how we transition into this, because if it's not about sales and it's not about billboard positioning, you know, by and large, it's like we still have a responsibility to our clients and their clients responsibility to their fans. Right. Like we still have a responsibility. But how are we going to how are we going to do this? Like, I don't have the answers. All I know is that we need to start thinking differently. Um, so I was just lobbing that grenade out there. Well, man, all I could say is this is a really cool list. Uh, it's been a pleasure to roll through it. I'm excited for 2018, as I know you are. Um, you know, think what you and I can both attest to is, you know, we have seen other changes in the industry in our, you know, seemingly long time, but it's actually relatively short, uh, you know, in terms we've been managing both of us, you know, coming up on 15 years. And um, I'm just excited to see what comes of it. I, I don't expect it to be easy to, to glide through all of the transitions. But, you know, what I love about the business is, you know, it's just it does. It allows for people like you and me who are here. We want to work with artists. We want to do best by our artists, um, you know, to, to really dig in and, and continue to figure out great ways to, to help them stay ahead of everybody else. Agreed. Well, folks, that concludes episode 49 the first episode of 2018. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? My friend, thanks again for coming up with this awesome list. Um, all I can say is find me on the socials, Instagram and Twitter, at Mike Loop. I guess my question to you would be in 2019, we still be saying that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> reminding you guys, rockabilia.com is your place for music merchandise. Again, we are touting them because they support us that's you know you can get a t-shirt from anywhere the reason we are pointing you to go to them is because of their support for artists which we you know i think if you listen to this podcast you understand that is really important to me and blasco um so head on over use our code pc managemental uh tell them that we sent you and last but not least i wanted to let you guys know you know, I, I have my coaching platform, OuterLoopCoaching.com, and we have an amazing thing happening in 2018. It's called the Outer Loop Coaching Intensive. We are taking an artist, one that has been through uh, both of our flagship courses, which were 60 Days Assignable, and Release It Right, and we are actually bringing them on board, and we are going to advise them for an entire year as they try to get signed, as we try to build their team, as we try to get touring, and we're giving people the insights into exactly how we're doing it 
if you head on over to outerloopcoaching.com and sign up, not only do you get the free ebook, but you'll get the information on this coaching intensive. I am super pumped on this thing. I haven't seen anything like it in the business thus far. It's literally me and my partners there opening up you know, the hood of the car and showing you how we do this for developing artists. So come on over and check it out. And Blasco, thank you for allowing me to uh, plug my platform on here. Hell yeah, man. No problem. Good times. All right. Happy 2018, everybody. See you next week. Thanks, everybody. Peace. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.